we've taken the week's readings as, as a leadership, and we are now going to share with you out of that uh, a truth that we've discovered that we believe is pertinent for this church to hear. Uh, I'm going to share with you today about valuing authority, valuing authority, and you don't have to look forward today to see that that the respect for authority is waning and declining in our nation. That's no joke. Uh, you, you know, if you've been anywhere on the planet, you know that's taking place, uh, the way things are happening in the media and all that. But, you know, it's, it's declining not only, you know, there. It's declining in government. It's declining in the schools. It's declining in the home. And even valuing of authority is declining in the church. Now, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I kind of struggled with this message because it's so easy to abuse people nowadays. It's so easy to be in a place of authority that you, uh, you use it in the wrong way. You, you know, it, it's just amazing that we see that happening so many times. And so it's like, it's like a tightrope act, actually. If you're in any kind of leadership, when you start talking about authority, uh, that you be very, very careful in how it's presented. Otherwise, it comes across incorrect. So I, I just believe this. I believe that it's inherent in human nature to always question authority. Matter of fact, I think it's been proven since Adam and Eve that we have a problem with it. Couldn't you say that we've got a problem with anything that tries to tell us what to do? And, and it's not only, authority is not only here to tell us what to do. It's, it's here to set moral absolutes. Moral absolutes like do not steal no matter what the circumstance. Do not abort a baby no matter what the circumstance. Tell the truth no matter what the consequences. These moral absolutes like, like gender identification and same-sex marriage, all these things that, that are such a hot topic, we've wondered this. We've wondered why is there pressure for us to tiptoe around topics in society that God has already resolved. Can I, yeah, I think you got it. I want to say it again for you who are like me, kind of slow. I need it twice most of the time. Why is there pressure for us to tiptoe around topics in society that God has already resolved? Just think about that for a minute. Matter of fact, if you don't get anything else today, that would be a good thing to get. So we're just going to take you through the book of Mark because that's where we found all these instructions about authority straight out of the scriptures. And it starts one day when Jesus is walking down the road. Matter of fact, if you read the, the gospels, Jesus and his guys and gals, they did a lot of walking around. And in that, there was a lot of life lessons that he taught. And so he's walking around one day around the street, and this man runs up to him and falls down before him and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Exactly what I must do. And Jesus makes the profound statement. He says, why do you call me good? There's none, none good except one, the Father. He's good. God is good. But then he says, well, you know, you, you know the commandments, uh, young man. You know that it says that you are to, you know, uh, not steal, not kill, to honor your mother and father and, and these things. And, and you know, the man, and tell the truth and all that. And, and the man said to him, he said, I've done all those things since I was a little bitty kid. And so Jesus says, well, then you lack just one thing. You're doing good, but you lack one thing. 
What I would say is you need to sell everything that you have and you need to give it to the poor and then follow me. And we pick up the answer in Mark chapter 10, verse 22, that says, at this, the man's face fell. In other words, he was like, I'm doing good. And when Jesus said that, he's like, his face fell and he went away very sad for he had many possessions. Now, you know, really, a lot of times we read this and the first thing we go to is, is uh, our stuff. Who, who, who has authority over our life? Think about this. Who has authority over your life or, or over my stuff? I remember when Rebecca was a little bitty girl one day. I forget the circumstances, but she said, she grabbed on to what she had and she said, my tough. She meant my stuff. And isn't it amazing that though we're, we're, we're so cute when we're little and everybody loves us, but we're just as selfish as all get out. I mean, it's my stuff. And then I realized that as we grow up, when we're older, we still are saying my tough. In other words, don't touch my stuff. Don't touch my life. And I'm wondering who has authority over our life. So the first point I want to make to you today is that we value God's authority when we're willing to live a sacrificial life. You see, Jesus wasn't really concerned about this man's possessions. He was making a statement of authority to him that said, this is what it takes if you truly want to follow me. And it takes sacrificial living if we truly want to follow Jesus. I think we've made Jesus following Jesus a little kind of happy, clappy rose garden that we think it's just this fun time. But really and truly, it gets very serious in serving Jesus. I think the principle here is, is, is very simple, that to gain your life, you must lose it. To gain your life, you must lose it. If you want to gain real life, you're going to have to sacrifice your life. Give it all away. Now, God's not telling you to sell your house unless he tells you to sell your house and give it to somebody. God's not expecting everyone in this room to just go and sell everything you have, give to the poor and follow him. We wouldn't know where to go. Let's be honest with that. Let's, let's, let's interpret the scriptures properly. He was getting to a heart issue with the man. And, and, and you know, the, the point is that if we value authority in our life, we're going to enjoy an abundant life. We're talking about valuing it, folks. Listen to me. We're not talking about just blind obedience. We're talking about putting value upon it. Be willing to sell everything you have. That's real submission, isn't it? Be willing to give up your whole life. This, this, this is something. I wrote this down late last night. I said, I believe God wants to do more with most of you, but because we're not willing to completely submit to him, he is hindered. You see, we can hinder God. It's amazing. You say, well, God's almighty. He can do exactly what he wants. And he could, and I wish he would. I wish that God would make us robots. Listen to me. Wouldn't that be sweet? He would wake me up in the morning, walk me around the city, and, and just tell, do this, do that, and I would go, eh, 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 eh. you understand what I'm saying? And wouldn't it be just wonderful? But that's not God's plan. We are free moral agents, which means this. We have the freedom to devalue God's authority in our life if we choose to. Jesus went on. 
He's still, he's still walking down the road. Now, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he is on his way to the cross. He knows this. He's talking to his disciples, his followers, and he's saying, we are headed to Jerusalem where the chief priests and the religious leaders, they are going to get me. They are going to falsely accuse me. They're going to turn me over to the Romans. They are going to flog me, beat me, spit on me, defame me, and then they are going to crucify me and kill me, but in three days I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, that's a heavy conversation going down the highway. And you would think that that would just grip everybody there to such a degree that it would be like, my God, this is serious business. But instead, James and John, some of his key leaders, were having a discussion. And so they bring something to Jesus, and they, they, they you know, now he just said this. And they come and said, Jesus, we're wondering if you can do us a favor. He says, well, sure, what, what's your request? What do you want me to do? He said, Jesus, we're just wondering, when you come into glory and you sit on your mighty throne, will you allow one of us to sit on your right hand and the other on your left hand? Did you get this? Are you, follow, are you tracking with me? I'm going to be crucified to death. Jesus, and we, we understand all that. Let's get on to the more important stuff, and that is we want to sit in a place of authority. They had a problem with authority. They had a problem. They, they had a problem. They would go uh, correct people. Uh, Jesus, we want to let you know we corrected those people who are casting demons out in your name. They're not with us, so we told them to stop it. And Jesus had to correct them and say, hey, look, if they're not against us, they're for us. That's a good rule to live by. If somebody's not against you, they're for you. And, 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 and so they, 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 they come in. And, and so Jesus, you know, he, he says, wow. Now, the other 12, the other, other group of people, they're listening to this. And they're upset. So now everybody's upset over this thing of my authority when Jesus is walking straight to the cross. And so this is how he answers them. Verse 42, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. That's the way the world works, folks. It just is. But among you, it will be different. You see, we are different people. The church is different. If you want to be part of the church, not just Northwood, but the church, you've got to be ready to be different than everybody else. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus just setting this amazing truth here. And so, you know, this is it. Why is it I always have to be first? Where did that come from that I have to be first? You see, what about my place? We are always at. We ask, what about my stuff? Now, wait, what about my place? Where's my place? Do I have to be at the beginning of the line? All the time, first, foremost, the biggest, the best, the baddest, the smartest, the greatest, the highest, the strongest. And Jesus is saying, no, we're going to do things a little bit different. So the, the next point I want you to understand is that we value God's authority when we're willing to serve others. 
We value, we add value to that authority of God when we're willing not to be first, but to be last. Not to be the boss, but to be the servant. Even bosses should serve the people that work for them. Different than the world. I know that. I know it's different than the world. But it's true. You see, the point is the enormous principle of of God resisting proud people and giving grace to humble people. You know, the, the, the amazing thing is, is that it's going to be a little bit different when the end times come, when the real end comes, when God starts doling out things. The people that are first might not be first. It may not be that way. See, the, 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 those who, who won't serve because, and can I just tell you like it is, folks? Can I just be honest with you? It, it, because you're self-centered. Now, you don't look at it that way. I know you don't. I know you don't look at it that way, but, but how else can you look at it when everybody serves you, but you serve no one? And we have all kinds of reasons for not serving. I know that. I, I, you know, we, we have a lot of reasons for not serving. And I'm not just talking about serving on a team in the church. I'm talking about serving, period. Men serving their wives, uh, parents serving their children, children serving their parents, on and on and on, all the different steps of order. But when it all boils down, it boils down to self-centeredness or selfishness. And selfishness is always steeped in pride. And nothing will ever change that. That is the way it is. That's why we have to overcome that. That's why we must humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. And then guess what? He will exalt us in due time. I figure this. I'll humble myself before God. And if he wants me to be something, he's going to make me something. I'm ready. I'm willing, Lord. But I'm not going to make my own step up. And that's why some people who should be 10 steps up are still in the basement because we just refuse. We excuse. I can't. I'm shy. I'm this. I'm that. That's all self-centered. If you're shy, break out. It's time to get over it. Amen? Get over it and start serving somebody else. I love to see great people serve. I remember we had the commander of Keesler Air Force Base in our church while he was serving here at Keesler. And uh, it just blessed me so much when I saw him serving coffee in Common Grounds. You know, my honor for that man went sky high. Here's a man who is over an entire military base, one of the largest in the nation, one of the most strategic, and, and he comes to our church and says, I think my gifting set in the growth track shows me that I would do real good in serving in common grounds. You know, I look at him, I say, man, maybe he could teach something. He is. He said, no, I'm right here. So I figure if the commander of Keesler Air Force Base can stir your coffee, then we ought to be able to do something for the kingdom. Amen. I believe we should. I'll tell you another thing about the growth track. I've had countless people, oh my, come and tell me all their credentials as they come into the church. And then I simply ask them, have you been through the growth track? And you know what they say? Well, you know, I have a doctor's degree and I have this degree. I say, that is awesome. I believe God can use you. Or would you mind going through the growth track? And I never see their face in this church ever again. I can only say that is pride. I went through the growth track. Hallelujah. I instituted it and went through it. Come on now. And so, you know, we want to serve other people. And then Jesus enters Jerusalem. We're in Mark 11 now, verse 27. 
Again, they entered Jerusalem. As Jesus was walking through the temple area, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders, they came up to him. And they demanded, by what authority? Notice this. I mean, authority is a big deal. By what authority are you doing all these things? Raising the dead, you know, uh, eating on the Sabbath, all, you know, things like that, not washing your hands, all these things. Why, what gave you authority? Who gave you the right to do them? Raising the dead on the Sabbath, all these things. I'll tell you by what authority I do these things if you answer one question, Jesus replied. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? Answer me. And they talked it over among themselves and they said, well, if it's from heaven, he'll ask us, why didn't we believe John? But if, if we dare to say it's merely human, for they were afraid of what the people would, <laughs> would do because everybody believed that John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. In other words, we cop it out. We don't know. We're just going to pass here. They did know. They knew exactly. They knew that Jesus' authority came from heaven. They knew that. And Jesus responded, then I'm not going to tell you what authority I do these things. I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to handle it. So, so you see, we... we it's, it's all about this thing of truth, folks. If we could just embrace truth. I mean, you know, isn't it good when you find out that something's really true? You, you know what I mean? Because so many things are so false. I mean, the things you read on social media, I, I love to see people, they, they repost things on social media, then the next day we find out it's not even true. Because we think because it's on social media, Facebook, whatever, that is true. It's just amazing how we, 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 you know why? Because we really truly want to embrace truth. We really want things to be truthful. The question is, will we embrace God's moral absolutes when I just don't agree? This is what about my God? What about my stuff? What about my place? What about my God? Will I do that? Will I actually embrace it? So the point I want to make to you is this. We honor and we value God's authority when we embrace the Bible as absolute truth. Now, as pastor, I want to tell you that there's a lot of people who do not at all embrace the Bible as God's absolute truth because they live so contrary to the Bible. Point in case, I'm reading the Bible and the Bible speaks about moral purity, and I'm in moral impurity, will I embrace that moral absolute and repent, or do I just fly on by that? If I, if I embrace it and let it affect my life, you know, I can tell, you know, I can tell when people don't allow the Word of God to affect their life, they never change. They never change. They fuss and fight about the same thing over and over. They never get the victory. I believe that when we see the word of God for what it is, if we allow the living word to adjust my attitudes and focus and direction, that that will take place. I truly believe that the word of God is powerful. It's alive. I believe it directs the life. I believe it goes deep to expose in order to encourage to get victory. It's so wonderful. It says, there's your problem. Here's your answer. Victory. I may not be able to get stronger and lift 400 pounds, but I can be morally strong. 
I can do that. I can do that. I didn't put this in the notes, but James chapter 1, verse 21 says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be a doer of the word and not hearer only, deceiving yourselves. So we honor God's authority. We, we value it when we embrace the word of God as absolute authority and truth in our life. So very important. And so we keep going on, and Jesus is still in the, in the thick of things. He's still headed to the cross. Mark chapter 12. Man, he's later the, the leader sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. I mean, he had some haters on him, and nothing he could do right. He's in a place of authority, and nothing he could say or do could keep him from being hated by the haters. You're never going to stop haters from hating. Never. Taylor Swift was right. <laughs> They're going to hate no matter what. I hate to make her a prophetess, but she did say it. I don't know who wrote it. I mean, if you hate Jesus, my goodness, you're on the wrong side of the track for sure. Said, so teacher, they said, we know that how honest you are. You're honest, you're impartial, and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? And Jesus saw through their hypocrisy. I want you to remember that word real quick. Why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin, and I'll tell you uh, about it. Just show, show it to me. Show me the Roman coin. When they handed it over to him, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply completely amazed them. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus could care less about Caesar and money. He said, give Caesar what's his, but give God what's his. We could ask that to ourselves. What are you giving to Caesar? What are you giving to God? Because when you give more to Caesar than you give to God, you want to reverse that. We listen to the IRS a lot more than we listen to the GOD. I mean, let's get real, man. Man, when you get a letter from the IRS in the mail and you see that, it's like, <clears throat> I always walk slowly to the house. I don't know if I want to open it. I could lie, throw it in the trash and say, I never got it, but they don't care. They know you got it. But what happens when we read the word of God? Does that same fear strike us? Number four is simply this. We value God's authority when we submit to his delegated authority. And herein is the major problem. Herein is a major, major problem. So the question is, do I struggle with submitting to worldly authority? You know, what about my security? What's my security in it? Why is it that we have such trouble with God's delegated authority? Romans chapter 13 speaks straightly to that, that all authority is from God. And then it goes on to say that he gives authority to men to keep order. That's the whole purpose of authority. The whole purpose of delegated authority is to keep order. You see, a man is no better than his wife, a wife no better than her husband, the parents no better than their children, the pastor no better than the people. But for order's sake, God sets it in order. He sets 
parents over children, the man over the woman, Christ over the, over the man, God over, the, over Christ. He sets it for order's sake. We don't see it that way. We just still in self-centeredness want to know about my stuff, my place, neglecting my God and worrying about my security. You know, today there's a new movement. I've been hearing this phrase over and over again. That is, we must question authority. We must question authority. And it has to do with our government, has to do with our president, has to do with the haters and all the people that are living in fear rather than faith in God. Can I say this to you? That it's all right to question authority. We all have a right to. As a matter of fact, it's okay to. But the motive and the attitude is what's the real thing. It's okay to question a teacher, parents. But your motive and your attitude have to be pure. Because if your motive and your attitude is to protect that little kid of yours that you probably know probably ain't doing it all just right. We had a school for 17 years. Some of you sitting here, I, we were, I was the principal. You sat in my office across from my chair several times. And some parents were so wonderful, man, they say, you know, I know, <laughs> yeah, wait till I get you home. <laughs> and then other parents were like, I can't believe you'd accuse my son of doing that. And, and so it's all an attitude. It's okay to question our government. It's okay to question. It's okay for you to question me. It's all right. If your attitude and your motive is right, but when the motive and the attitude is destructive and hating, when it's self-centered, when it has an agenda behind it, I'm not going to entertain five seconds with you. And nobody else should either. And, and, and if, 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 if you're in a place of subservient, in other words, you, you're working for somebody, you understand? When you go to them, you should examine your heart to make sure your motives and your attitudes are proper. In other words, godly. Theirs were not. Jesus saw their hypocrisy, and people of wisdom and leadership see hypocrisy and know. And so it, 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 it's so wonderful to see how God put this all together. This movement of not my president, that's not a godly movement. This movement of kill a cop, that's not a godly movement. Don't be like that. Don't fall into that category. Don't follow that drumbeat because that is the wrong attitude and that is the wrong motive. The point is this, we surely love authority when we need it. When we need the police officer, man, I'm telling you what, and you see that blue and white car drive up in your driveway and that young man gets out in that blue uniform packing that big gun and he's got authority, all of a sudden you feel a whole lot better about what's going on. Amen? I mean, come on now. You don't like it so much when he pulls you over. If you're speedy, just take the ticket and shut up. Very simple. It's very simple. It's very simple. And, you know, I speed sometimes. I, I just do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting absent-minded. I pass up where I'm going. My wife's sitting there. She just lets me pass up where I'm going. Just passes up, you know. And so there's no doubt I'm going to get a ticket because I'm oblivious. If I, 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 I'm just a pitiful man. I just saying, I don't, I mean, I'm not out to go like, I'm going to speed. I'm going to break the, breaking the law, breaking the law. But I'm, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, that's, I don't know what's happening, folks. Pray for me. But I'm being honest, but I want to tell you something. If that officer pulls me over, I can tell you one thing right now. I already have my license, registration, insurance stuff right here. <laughs> Ain't no question. You know, I got to ask me, show, it's like, Sir, do you know you're speeding? Yes. Yes, I was. And that's period. That's just 
period, okay? And, and so, don't only value authority when you need it. And folks, listen to me. If you violate God's delegated authority, you're violating God's authority. And that is just the way it is. Now, know this. People make problems. I watched a program just the other night. 30 years a man spent on death row. 30 years on death row. 23 hours in, one hour out. 30 years. New evidence came forth, cleared him of the crime. They let him out. They didn't give him five cents. They didn't give him any clothes. They didn't give him a ride anywhere. Put him out on the street. I listened to that man. and I was astonished at his attitude. Basically, what he was saying, well, I lost 30 years, but I've got some more to live, so let me live rather than die. And so we, we live in a flawed system because we are flawed people. Our judgment is not perfect. It will never be perfect. But we serve a perfect God. So can I just close with this? Can I just recap what we value? You've got to get this, folks. We value God's authority when we're willing to live a sacrificial life. We value God's authority when we serve others. We value God's authority when we take the Bible as God's absolute truth. And we value God's authority when we submit to his delegated authority. This is the way that Christ would have us to live. We are different than anybody else on the globe. We are the called out people, the chosen generation, the royal priesthood. And we have been called out to give praise to our God and our life should be a living sacrifice to him. Amen? Isn't that right? So here's where we stand in this room right now. I want to talk to you church people that have been in church a long time. I believe it's time for you to let the Lord move upon your heart again because you have become hardened. You have heard so many messages. I've preached 6,200 messages from this pulpit already. And, and the more we hear sometimes, our heart gets hardened. And if we don't take special time to meditate, to reflect, to examine our heart, we will automatically become hard-hearted. We must let the word of God continually water our souls that we don't get embittered by this world and this life. We've, we've got to learn to forgive. We've got to, we've got to move in it as hard as it is. And we must change from glory to glory, folks. So as we sit here right now, I want you church people, you believers, you who have been following Christ to take a moment. I mean, you can just close your eyes right now, church folks, and just, just close your eyes and meditate on your life. I just gave you four points to meditate on. And while you're doing that, I want to speak to the people in this room who have not yet chosen to serve Jesus and tell you that it's the best decision you'll ever make in all of eternity, but that God won't promise you a primrose path. He won't promise that he'll fix all your problems and everything will be smooth. But we'll, what he will promise you is forgiveness for your sins. He will forgive you and cleanse you of your unrighteousness. He will cause you to live an abundant life. You will be pleasing in his sight. It's going to be a new day for you. Your spirit will come alive and you will begin to hear the voice of God in a wonderful way. So this is what I want to ask you while every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you're in this room right now and you're ready to submit and surrender your life to Jesus Christ, not in some religious act or some emotional thing, but a true heart devoted to God saying, you know what, I haven't served him, but I want to serve God. I want to be forgiven and I want to follow Jesus. I want to pray for you right where you are. 
All I'm gonna ask you to do while every head is bowed, if you'll just shoot up your hand and say, Pastor Van, I desire to serve Jesus, and I wanna do that. You raise your hand up, we're gonna pray, and God's gonna meet you. Thank you, sir, right there. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, come on. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Yes. You see, you're a free moral agent. You're doing this by an act of your free will. Nobody's coercing you. Jesus is not forcing you. Anybody else before I pray, just you haven't raised your hand, shoot it straight up and say, me, me, I want in. Like the train is leaving the station. You got to jump aboard. Come on, thank you. Right now, you who raised your hand and even if you didn't, I'm going to be praying. I want you to just pray along with me. Just come on. It's not fancy. You're just confessing that you love Jesus. Father, we are grateful and we pray in the name of Jesus right now for forgiveness of our sins. We pray, Lord God. Matter of fact, some of you church people need to be praying this. We pray, Lord God, that you will cleanse us. Cleanse me, Lord God, of all of my sin. Change my life. Make me the person you want me to be. I surrender my life to you right now, Lord. I don't know all that means, but God, I need you and I want you. And I ask you to come live in my life. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, church. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.